Welcome to Revenue Champions, I'm Alice. And I'm John. We interview leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs in the B2B space. Giving you the inside tips, tricks, and hacks for you to grow and scale your B2B business today. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. Today's topic is breaking down silos, integrating sales and marketing. I'm going to be talking to you with John, and we're going to be talking about the ways in which we approach integrating sales and marketing here at Cognizant, some of the really practical steps that we've taken, some of the techniques that we use. John, do you want to give a quick um, introduction to yourself? Yeah, sure. Hi, everybody. Um, so my name's John. Um, as stated there, I'm a global head of sales, so responsible for our sales team um, in the UK, US and South Africa and have the pleasure of working with Alice in the revenue team. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to, to going through this today. Great. And yeah, I should probably have introduced myself. That'd be helpful. I am CMO at Cognizant, so work really closely with John. In terms of agenda, I'll just briefly run through it. We're going to start off with how we align over targets and then we're going to talk about MDRs who are a great bridge between sales and marketing. We're going to head into how we describe ourselves as a revenue team and some of the things that are involved in that. We'll then cover content and how we learn from sales as a marketing team and vice versa. And then we're going to talk about those roles that kind of bridge the gap between sales and marketing with RevOps being that core piece. And then if we haven't answered all the questions throughout, then we will touch on Q&A at the end. But again, we'd rather talk to you guys throughout and answer them as we go. Cool. So kicking off with targets. I think, John, if you could lead on this in terms of how you set out targets and how we align on them from sales and marketing. Yeah, absolutely. So I think first thing to kick off is just in terms of like the targets kind of underpins the revenue engine. So it determines kind of headcount headcount allocation um, and also predicted revenue. Um, so what we do, and um, we're very, very metrics driven as an organization. So um, it's based off the predictable revenue model. So when we look at it from an SDR cold outbound perspective, it's very, very easy to kind of draw synergies between uh, like the amount of demos you need to opportunities to close. And the way that we've done this from a marketing standpoint is actually a little bit unique. So marketing actually have a revenue target on their head each month, the same as what our sales outbound team has. And the way that we've made this like very, very predictable is the fact that we, we actually measure a lot of the components on that individual level when they all have their set, yeah, set conversion rates ultimately. So if we look at marketing, like there's two core ones I would say that we focus on, which is content leads and uh, like inbound, inbound leads. But when we look at it from a content perspective, we treat these very much as kind of cold, cold leads. So the S, the MDR team get comped exactly the same as what they would for like cold, a cold lead from nowhere. So it's it's usually just a warmer, warmer introduction. But you can see here we got our squos, and from those squos, we ultimately work out how many deals we get, and based on those metrics, we can kind of align and give marketing an, an ultimate revenue target. The other thing that we do is we treat marketing leads as like our golden leads. So we set very clear SLAs on inbounds, like how quick they need to be actioned. And I think we'll touch on this a little bit more um, in the next slide around MDRs. But yeah, Alice, is there anything that you wanted to wanted to add? Yeah, I wanted to just touch on this. I think what was really neat for me coming into Cognizant, having worked in other organizations where this wasn't the case, was the fact that from the management layer, it was very clearly set how important those inbound needs are to the business. And then as you grow, I think that can, and especially as we've gone remote, there have been moments where potentially um, 
that might have got lost, even though we still, as John says, speak of them as the gold, you know, the golden nuggets within within what we're doing. But the things that we, the actions we've taken to enable us to ensure that they're still treated in that way are we have got agreed SLAs with the inbound MDR, who is responsible for all of those leads that come in inbound. We have specialised the MDRs, which again we'll go on to later, and we have one solely focused on inbounds and ensuring that we action those correctly and within the SLAs. We've actually automated Salesforce reports as well. So we have Salesforce reports delivered to all management at the end of the day to show us if the inbounds have been actioned within their SLAs. And if they haven't, then obviously appropriate steps can be taken. So there's some real practical steps that we've gone to to ensure that it's not just a case of us saying, oh, inbounds are really important, we're actually kind of living it out. I think the other thing that I did when I joined the team here at Cognizant is that it was quite clear when I started that marketing were very reactionary to sales requests. And that was very difficult for the team to actually have a plan and execute a strategy. So a bit of advice to any marketers who are listening to this is set yourself um, a very clear strategy and plan, get it signed off from all the key stakeholders that need to, and then set an expectation with the rest of the business and especially sales that you have 80% capacity focused on that plan and that executing that strategy. And you have that 20% where you can actually action those ad hoc requests from sales um, and other parts of the business. But so that you're not consistently distracted away from the goal, I think that's really important. And obviously as your strategy comes to light and you're executing your plans, you'll be able to show in that revenue target how successful you're being and people will understand the value of allowing you to execute that rather than distracting you with things outside of it. So just wanted to touch on that as well. And again, like John said, I think I'm such a strong believer in marketing owning a revenue number and I wouldn't have it any other way. It gives you a, a much stronger seat at the board and in management. It aligns you to sell so much better. And I think that's just the way that it's moving. And if you, do, you, know, if you don't own a revenue number yet as a marketer, I would really suggest you go and to your leadership and, and try and get one. Yeah, those are just the things I wanted to cover. And then we're gonna go on to MDRs. And again, any questions, pass them throughout. I've got a few here. Are you asking your sales team to reach out to content leads such as webinar downloads? Yes, we are. Now that is gonna get covered in this section, MDRs. Like what is an MDR? We've already said it about 500 times now. So we'll actually dive into what it means, what their role is, but absolutely we are. and it's the MDRs who would be actioning that. And then can you describe more which length of sales cycle you typically have? So John, I'll hand that question over to you. Yeah, so very, it varies. We have segmentation across the team now between SMB, which is typically one to two months, and then mid-market, which is probably around three months sales cycle. So yeah, when you do your planning, definitely take that into account and segment out the, the different teams that you have, and then you could come to an ultimate revenue number. And then I've got a question which I should probably answer quickly. How do you attribute revenue to marketing? How do you connect a lead coming in from a tracking perspective? How do you know who to attribute it to? Okay, so I can go into the real tacticals here. Essentially, it all starts with enabling all of your forms, whatever they're running off, be able to track UTM hidden, so like your UTM links basically. Um, and then you need to ensure that you're using UTM links for absolutely everything that you're doing and that you're pushing those UTM parameters through the form and that that submission is capturing those hidden UTM fields on the form level. And then you need to create your Salesforce setup in order to be able to attribute that correctly. So for example, to give you like a, how it works at Cognizant, we have on a hierarchical level, we have a Cognizant campaign, 
which um, has its own UTM parameter linked to it. We have lead source, which is, has its own parameter linked to it. We have a campaign type, which has the UTM parameter linked to. And then we have a characteristic, which again has the UTM parameter linked to. And that way we're able to track the lead completely through those four parameters and only the ones that are attributed to marketing will show up in all of the marketing reports from a lead contact level all the way through to opportunity and close one stage. So that is in its like very simple terms how we are tracking revenue. We've also now recently, which we'll come to later, implemented um, a U-shaped attribution model within Salesforce and that's utilizing the campaign member object um, field so look at, looking at campaigns and responses to campaigns, and then we're able to track the marketing, well, influence and through the campaign level as well. So we kind of have two ways that we're doing it at the moment. Sorry, that was a very technical, in-depth answer, but hopefully that has answered your question. But if not, then just, yeah, ping me on LinkedIn and we can cover it a bit more. MDRs, John, do you want to kick us off? Cool. Something a little bit more top level that I can understand. Um, so just going into the uh, the MDR. So yeah, when we first when we when Alice obviously came in, she bought bought a wealth of experience, and we started getting a lot of influx of um, content leads, um, inbound leads, and we found they just weren't being effectively actioned by our SDR team. So what we did is we separated them out. And what an MDR is, it's a marketing development rep. So they're solely responsible for any leads uh, generated from the marketing function. So that could be content leads, webinar, uh, event leads, um, and their sole targets is based around that. The main beauty of it as well is that they kind of sit hybrid or sit in between the sales function and the marketing function. So from a direct line, like who they directly report into, they directly report into sales. So they get all the sales training, standard sales yeah, processes of how they actually action the leads, but they also feed back a lot of the yeah, designated point for any from the from the market what the market's saying about the content that we're pushing out we can directly channel that back directly to ours the way that i like to view it is that uh, sdrs are targeting cold cold leads they're kind of spear phishing whereas mdrs their primary focus is really to qualify out they're having like much more in-depth conversations like similar to what AEs is typically doing on discovery calls and the main benefit of that as well is that when they're having these more in-depth conversations uh, we tend to see that that talent pool they tend to, they tend to progress a lot more quicker through the organization into account executive roles. And the, the reason behind that is because they have much more in-depth discussions. So they're getting those 20 minute calls with them where they can ask and go into their existing processes, their pain points, whereas an SDR is much more, much more just trying to generate the interest and then passing that over to the account executive. So yeah, firstly, it's very, very good to make sure that these leads are being actioned effectively. Whereas previously, if you've kind of got hybrid role between sales and like your SDR is managing this, they might they might not get done. And I think the other thing that we done, Alice, which was quite important, was like the the comp people themselves are motivated to do stuff based on commission. So you need to make sure that there's the commission model for marketing leads is as incentivizing as what you've got for your outbound leads because they are in market, they're looking to buy, um, and there's a lot of statistics around being that first vendor to actually start that conversation that will have much like such an impact on um, the revenue that's going to come on the back of it. Yeah, and definitely. And so I guess just to cover a few things on this as well in terms of how it's helpful for marketing. So number one, we've let's show you the good, the bad and the ugly, I guess. The evolution of the MDR role at Cognizant wasn't a smooth one. 
So we knew we had all these deeds and we needed them to be actioned. We tried having it reporting into marketing, but what you lost with that was the whole progression into a sales role and the, it didn't get seen as such a prestigious sales position to be in. So I think some really think, important things to think about when you're, if you do implement this into your organization is keeping it within the sales structure, having it as a promotion. So then it, it aligns with that whole thought process of these leads are better leads than just an outbound lead and then specializing it. So we have seen so much value in having people specialized in content leads and inbound leads versus um, outbound and then just distributing them across all the SDRs. By again, it gets tied to their targets, their compensation. And then on the flip side as well, we get all this amazing feedback from very specific targeted specialized people who are solely focused on our leads. And that's really important from a marketing perspective as well. And as I touched on before, we have specialized the MDR role even more to have, because we now have the volume, one person who just deals with all of the in, direct inbounds. So those are you know, direct demo requests, the intent is there. We need to li literally action them in that like one or two minutes where they've requested the demo. And then we have those another two set of MDRs who are focused on all of the content needs, which is a different skill set again. Um, and they have slightly longer SLAs, but then the focus has to be on the cadences and the multi-touch cadence, like in, in the cadences, and it's a whole different skill set too. So by doing both of those things, we've managed to get the most out of the content needs and the inbound needs. Other things, I guess, in terms of what marketing does to help with help our MDRs is we have regular weekly feedback sessions. So we will listen to what they're telling us in terms of what conversations they're having, which are easier to convert depending on the piece of content. And often there is, there is a lot of um, consistency there. So some of our content, which is more aligned to what we do, will be easier for the MDR to have conversations around than others. Sometimes it's an education piece. Sometimes it's just that actually that content works better for them and is converting better. So you need to listen to that feedback and it's really helpful. We write the cadences for our MDRs. So we literally want them to have the easiest job possible, give them a lead, give them a cadence that's pre-written for, that piece of content and then they just get to run those leads through the cadences and work their magic so we think that's really helpful and has seen a big like uplift for us in terms of our conversions by doing that as well yes yeah, so i think that covers most of it in terms of the mdr perspective i have got another question which i should probably answer as well because it was back relating to the last slide so can you share more on how you get your teams buy-in into your marketing strategy and recognizing the need to stick to it rather than being focused on completing ad hoc requests all the time. Yeah, the answer to this is actually really simple. You need to, that, they need to be incentivized in exactly the same way. So I've broken down my team targets. These are like the three pillars that I would call them content, inbound and paid. So my team will have their targets split across those three, depending on what they're working on and which one it's most closely aligned to. Some own a target in content and an inbound, some only own a target in content. and that way it ties what your strategy is very closely to what they're motivated to, to do. And so they won't want to be executing tasks outside of that because they know that will detract them from achieving their targets. So tie the targets back to this, um, which ultimately your strategy is all set up to deliver and that should help stop them being distracted. The other thing we do on a practical level is we run two weekly campaign sprints. And we use monday.com to run those and we set really clear tasks related to whatever it may be like a campaign or, or, or something and the outcomes of which are very clear and we will set them enough to, like 
based on their capacity, the tasks that we feel like they can complete in those two weeks. And obviously, if they're not being completed, we would ask the question why. And if it was because of out-of-court requests, then again, you would go back to them and set out um, the expectation on that 80-20 rule that I touched on earlier. Um, hope that's helped and answered. But again, reach out if it, if it hasn't. Revenue team. John, could you kick us off here? Yeah, sure. So the way that we view the revenue team, it's really just combining all the key leadership figures um, that's responsible for actually getting that revenue number. So key people that we have involved in this, we have our revenue ops department, um, we have marketing ops, we have our SDR manager, our account executive manager, and then we have marketing. And how this works on kind of a day-to-day -day level is we have a bi-weekly sync. And in this call, it's, it's pretty open-ended to be honest, but we tend to come with like our key initiatives that we're working on that's likely to either impact those departments or we strategize on yeah, a particular issue. So generally speaking, like Alice might have an issue with uh, the rollout of a campaign that we're doing, and then we'll, we'll sit down and we'll discuss how to actually effectively roll that out across the different departments, promotion paths, et cetera. So we're all very, very aligned on that. The other thing that we do as well is we do a weekly kickoff on Monday, which took place today, where we just bring everyone together. So we bring all the marketing, marketing uh, employees, sales employees, and we go through performance um, by channel. And because every single department's got their own, every department's very clear in terms of the attribution they're bringing from revenue, we can actually go through on that very, very granular level. And then the other aspects of it as well is kind of that celebration piece. So we go through and we re re we reward everyone from the different departments on that call um, and say, yeah, what a spe spectacular job everyone's doing. The other thing that's quite useful that's um, we found, which we employ, we've been employing it for over a year and a half now, is we call it a RevOps meeting. And on a uh, monthly basis, we go back and we look at the past performance across the entire revenue team. Um, and it's really just taking a step back from the day-to-day, -day, looking at the bigger picture, looking at the numbers, performance of the team. And then we really strategize together to make sure and find out where those gaps are. So if there's gaps in our conversion rate from content leads to opportunity, we would discuss how we can we can get that fixed and it's really looking at when an issue arises and not letting it manifest into a much a much bigger issue so for us like looking at on that monthly basis collectively as a team um we've seen that to have really really good yeah it's just optimizing our machine and making it much more much more efficient and then the final thing which i want to touch upon was our slack channel so we have a slack channel and it's it's very very it's meant to be a positive positive Slack channel. So anytime that we sign a deal, anytime that a meeting's booked, uh, opportunities created, we all post in there. And it just really combines the two departments because usually I think in other department, other companies, marketing and sales are very silo. Whereas here, if a lead comes in from marketing and it goes to opportunity, like everyone's congratulating the marketing person that bought it in and vice versa for marketing congratulating sales when we close the deal as well. So yeah, some some actionable takeaways that you can you can do that worked really well for us. Yeah, great. And I guess just to expand on this, one other thing that we've done and I would really recommend doing is even if it's not necessarily the demo day or you know, however you want to look at it, but the whole idea of walking a day in each other's shoes is really important. So, you know, if you can't expect, I don't think either sales or marketing to fully understand what the other does, if you don't give the time to explain, um, to explain exactly how they go about their jobs so the best thing we ever did was this whole um call, the cold calling days that we run where we actually get the marketing teams for that day only to get on the phones and start calling up some of their leads so the content leads and talk to prospects 
I think it is, I mean, I, I was doing it as well and it just shows how hard the job is. It gives you a lot more understanding of, you know, you, you want to make that as easy as possible as it is for the MDRs, having been through that process and seeing um, what some of the reactions can be like. And so you just understand much more. So I can't, yeah, over overemphasize this enough. I think it's really important. And then I also would say sharing with your sales team regularly what you as a marketing team are doing and like how involved that can get and some of the processes and things behind it. It's also really important for them to understand what role you play within the whole revenue engine as well. So I think that's important. Do your MDRs see the opportunity through to conversion? So no, the MDRs are the same as an SDR in terms of the point at which in the sale process they hand over. So their job ends once that um, meeting has been booked with the prospect and that has been handed over to the BDM. Having said that, there are certain criteria they need to hit for that to become a sales qualified opportunity. The person needs to attend that demo and they need to have hit their AMPT criteria. And so if those things, if there are misses on any of those points, then the MDRs are still involved up until it's either a sales qualified op or not. I don't know, John, if you want to add any more context. Yeah, I was going to say like one thing, for example, especially if we're running content leads, we might not get the decision maker come through on a call. Um, and one of the requirements to move to kind of that qualified opportunity stage is to speak to a DM. So yeah, the MDR might go beyond that individual content lead um, and might prospect into the account to try and get someone additional on the call. So yeah, it, it does vary. I think as we're moving more upstream now, the work they're going to have to do to get that qualified opportunity does change. So I think it varies company to company in terms of what, what your sale cycle is and the complexity of your sale. Great, thank you. Cool, so we've got um, content and personal branding. And I'm gonna let you, John, kick off on this because it was there's a piece on this to begin with that is kind of your initiative that you've kicked off as a sales team, which is amazing and I think we should talk about. Yeah, I think this was this was something that probably we took inspiration from Gong, seeing all the, the posts they were putting out. But what we run now is we run a, a weekly session collaboration between marketing so the marketing one of the key marketing heads and also one of the AE managers so again making sure there's alignment between different levels in in the departments but what they do is they run personal branding workshops so the whole idea behind this is to kind of promote and allow allow the team to have a voice online and come across as an expert in their space so this is kind of kind of things that we would cover so how to build your profile to make sure that it's best optimized. So when a prospect lands on it, they get an understanding as to, to what you do in your role. And as a salesperson as well, making sure that you're showing that you're an expert in your field through like quota attainment responsibilities, et cetera. I think one of the most missed pieces is probably like your LinkedIn profile. Um, so we make sure that we have alignment from sales and marketing that we basically promote and show them how, how they can build their profile. So it's best optimized to, to promote the brand ultimately and also like for life beyond cognizant as well making sure that we're gearing them up so that in in the future they've got their, their profile intact in yeah and then in terms of like content like i think it, it stems from the top i think that's probably the most important thing that i've learned is that like alice myself and any of the managers if you want the team to actually go out there and start building their own personal brand you have to do that yourself as well um you can't ask the team to do something if, if you're not leading the march and at the front so if you are looking to kind of run and get get your brand get your brand out there through your reps and through your team you'll have to take a very very active role in that and i think one of the things that always comes up is that 
reps are a little bit apprehensive about posting to begin with and it really takes that away that uh the fearfulness of having to do it if if you see your managers do it as well so yeah i think it's really really useful um we get a lot of leads come from it um and also existing opportunities as well if they see all the reps posting all the time it, it just shows you're an expert in the space um so i'd highly recommend that even if you do it on a bi-weekly basis but have a session that's that's focused around this and you'll get you'll get results on your existing ops and you also get results um bringing net new leads into into the funnel Thanks, John. Yeah, I think it's about viewing, like it's also again on like a large issue of moving like SDRs and reps out of this like more of a transactional piece and actually having them be the thought leaders within your business as well. And then being the understanding the value propositions for all of your personas inside and out, like really delivering valuable content across those channels. Um, and it's so worth it from a marketing perspective, putting in the time to run those sessions because really on like on LinkedIn right now and today, like the brand channel, not that useful. The channels where you're going to get most traction and you can really start to ramp up when you can see it through Gong is if you can actually activate the people within your business um, and to get them to be posting meaningful, helpful content. And you're going to need to help them along that journey. You can't just run one workshop and kind of say, right, job done, leave it up to them you're going to need to take them with you and you'll be learning all the time as well about we're learning all the time about things that work things that don't work and we just make those workshops really actionable and like, all join in together and I think it's really important for brands who want to take LinkedIn seriously as a distribution channel that you start activating that the other thing is from marketing perspective something that we do is we bring our sales team into the content so it helps them when they're prospecting it helps them when they are like you know outreaching to actually be involved in some of these thought leadership pieces of content that we're running and it helps us as well so yeah we just showcase them in our videos our webinars our blog posts so just think about ways in which you can get them involved in the content that you're producing it again goes back to that point of walking a day in each other's shoes they'll then understand how much goes into a piece of content and they'll be more bought into it as well so it's really worth doing that and then another small way that we do this is we use our email signatures as I guess our advertising block to the company so we can change them all automatically through the tool that we use Mailtastic and we use that as a way in which we can show and broadcast things that we need um, parts of the business to be aware of through the email signatures and that's really helped us as well. I'm going to quickly just answer this question because it relates back to the piece we were on before so how do you run the cold calling days do you use already source leads that are cold or is it spear hunting venture? So it would literally just be a case of us taking content leads that are in nurture. So we wouldn't let ourselves loose on the um, quality leads because I'm not sure that I would be, uh, definitely would not be able to convert them like our reps can. So we would take the nurtured leads um, that are slightly older and we would run through those and try and see what we can get out of it. And if, only, if the only thing we get out of it is feedback on our content, then that's still really valuable and helpful for us. But yeah, we certainly don't let ourselves loose on the current lead pipeline so i hope that answers the question and then if we go learning from sales so i guess i'll kick this one off so one thing i would say and that is really important is as a marketing team i've actually set our mission to be make sales easier there's a lot that goes into that that's not just like we want to make sales lives easier that's that's a very different statement it's to make sales easier and that goes from product marketing from content marketing from the quality of our leads our opportunities that we're generating 
the brand that we're building, everything goes into this statement. So I think it's like all encompassing and aligns us really closely again with sales teams. So if you don't have a marketing mission statement, definitely think about doing one and making it super aligned to, to your sales colleagues. Back to the question around, do we record the sales calls for marketing? Yes, so we record calls on Gong and I make my marketing team block out time in their calendars weekly to listen to calls on Gong. So depending on what part of the marketing team they sit in will kind of depend what sorts of calls they're listening to. But the whole idea being that I, whether it's a prospect call or it's like a closing call or a close loss call, we can learn something from it and we'll just need to listen to the voice of our customers and our prospects um, to better understand what they're feeling and the sales process as well. And then it helps us inform the things that we're doing. So yes, we do and it's really important. And then we have a sales Slack channel dedicated to best calls, which the reps will share um, their best calls in. And again, marketing's all in that Slack channel so we can listen to those as well. Um, and that's another really helpful piece for us. It helps us with competitor insights for battle card creation and messaging ideas. So I might let John touch on that, how we run that process, because you, you're very aligned to Vera, our product marketer on this. Yeah, I was going to say, like, one of the key benefits of any kind of call recording software is the, tra the transcription piece, especially if you integrate it into your CRM. So there's two, two things that are really, really powerful. Transcription, so you can actually filter in and you can search for specific words. So if there's a competitor that you want to find out you could run run that name through through the through Gong, and then it will bring up um, all calls where that was mentioned. And then the other element of that is because of the integration to the CRM, you can then filter out those calls that have only gone to close one. So from a marketing standpoint, like you can see the deals that are closing, what the key rebuttals are to any objections that we're facing, and it just makes sure that there's alignment in the messaging between sales and marketing. And from a competitor insight standpoint, that's exactly how we do it. We would go in find all the key competitors that we're facing. We track on every opportunity when we encounter competitors as well. And then based on those deals that are closing, everyone in the business from the SDRs, marketing, customer success, they've all got access to all these calls and they can filter and find find what's resonating in the market and what the reps are actually saying. And it helps from an AE training perspective as well, for example. So yeah, opening up your calls to the whole business is probably one of the most most important things that we've learned just to make sure that the whole yeah, the whole organization's aligned to the same mystery. Great, thank you. Yeah, I think that's kind of um, as simple as it is, really. It just can't, it's like underestimate how important listening to your customer and prospects are as a marketer and sales calls are a great source for that. So um, if you're not already doing it, definitely, definitely do start doing that. Then going into kicking off with the role of RevOps. So I guess there becomes a point in size as a company that you get to where this is a role that you identify that you need. Basically for us, it was when the auto marketing automation got beyond my capability levels. So, um, and then on the sales side, it's you know when we you need that further insight and it does help break down any silos that still might exist between the sales and marketing teams. They are that voice, that unbiased voice in the conversation. So they should be in all of your meetings that you have between the revenue leaders, um, and any conversations that you're having, it's really important to involve the RevOps in those because they will bring a very unbiased point of view towards the conversation and help you sort out any, not disputes, but I mean, John and I have potentially had moments where we've got different sides to, um, yeah, to a debate and often Antoine who has that RevOps will be the person who can bring us in line and come up with the best solution. So like they are 
that's really important and can really help you in that sense. And then on a more practical level, just some of the things that they're able to implement within your Salesforce instance or your CRM instance, or your marketing automation, actually allow for better collaboration. So what we've been able to do is build a U-shaped attribution model. So we're able to track first and last touch on all of our leads rather than having to rely on just last touch only. And so like one point of attribution, which we all know these days is just not accurate in terms of how people are buying and like the picture is much more complex than that. So just having that role has enabled us to open up all of this new data for us to investigate and to look at ways in which we can mature like our model going forward and see how we can increase conversions and what insights we can find out for that. And it also means that, you know, we don't have to fight over a single point of attribution anymore because someone downloaded a white paper, but also got caught up by an outbound rep. What happened first? You know, these conversations can kind of stop and we can move on to like the bigger picture. So that's just a real practical piece that it's enabled us to do. What do we still disagree on, John? <laughs> that's the okay. question. Well, not, not <laughs> I was gonna say like one of, the, one of the key things that I found with RevOps as well is that because we operate as like a revenue team, it's very similar to what Alice said in terms of the 80-20 rule. Like one of the most important things for RevOps that I found is that we all align at the beginning of the month in terms of what, what I need from RevOps and what my objectives are. And Alice does the exact same thing. And then we kind of come to agreement in terms of for the business and for the revenue team, what those most important action points are. So rather than have all these different departments not in tune with each other about what's going on in their side of the business, making sure you have those forums where everyone can come together it's made sure that we can really optimize our revenue engine to the best the best and we know that we can't just go to antoine uh, who's our RevOps guy and request something to be done because we know exactly and we've planned what what's going to be rolled out in the next month or two months the other thing as well that's really really good about RevOps is that i i always kind of have the impression of how something should be implemented and i'm sure alice probably has the same but it's kind of that objective view so if you go to them with what you're looking to achieve, usually they put in a much better, stronger infrastructure than what you could probably achieve without it. Um, that combines all the different functions in in the revenue team. So, um, yeah, it's a pivotal pivotal part of the business, and it's just making sure that we get those efficiency gains everywhere. Definitely, and you heard it here first. We don't ever disagree anymore. So that that is good. <laughs> I actually don't think we do. I'm trying to think of something recently, but I haven't got one. If anything, we're just more aligned. I think. But I do think for all the reasons that John just said is kind of the you know where that all comes from and everything we've covered today that's helped us enable us as a team and our two different teams to come together and align really closely. So oh no, here we go. We've got another question. Who is the final say with decision or budget, RevOps, sales, or marketing? So um, very good question. So if it's a budgetary decision, then that will come from like the final say comes from our CFO that's where the budget lies and any changes to the budget would have to come from him. And how we build the model that we showed you at the beginning, which is the targets, we build that together. So John will say what we need, like the targets are given to us from our CEO, CFO, and then John will build out the model in terms of how that needs to be broken down between outbound and marketing. And then I'll build out what the budget needs to look like from the marketing perspective, plus other lines that I know I have. And then anything that we need outside of that would have to get approval on from the CFO and you would have to put your business case forward in terms of what that would look like and sometimes you might be going with a joint business case like John and I together because we need something um, so recently we have we launched a new business line and we needed to put together a proposal for budget dedicated towards that we did that together or recently we wanted to implement some 
technology called Lean Data to help route our inbound and content leads better for our reps. And that was a business case between me and the RevOps uh, manager to the CFO. So that's how it works at Cognizant. John, do you have anything else on that? No, I think that's, I think it's from a integration standpoint, RevOps obviously have a say, like majority of the time, but yeah, exactly. Just collaboration, like if there's other people, other departments that need need the technology, we tend to combine it and put together a joint business case. Amazing, and then, I mean, I, just a tip, if you're ever needing to request budget, obviously get the input from as many of the state key stakeholders as you can and be able to prove the impact that that will have on the revenue number is always going to be beneficial. So my CFO doesn't mind when I ask for budget for things when I can say, I believe the upside is X, so I will take budget off this existing line because I believe I'll make up for it with the X increase that I, I think I'm going to see from it. It's a much harder conversation when I'm trying to say I need net new budget for something and then I need to really prove out what the impact of that will be and what the downside could be. If there's no other questions, so I guess I'll just wait and see if there are more, then um, I think we've covered everything we kind of wanted to go through and hopefully it was practical and there's some tips and tactics in there that you guys can take away and use um, to align your sales and marketing teams and your to be one revenue team. Thank you all for listening and thanks John for chatting to me. Thanks guys, appreciate it.